This is the So You Talk to Cows podcast. I'm Erica Erlbeck. I'm a professor of agricultural communications at Texas Tech, and I have the wonderful pleasure of a team of coworkers that I absolutely love. We are teammates, we are lunch dates, we are friends, and we like to boost each other up and give credit when one of us is crushing it. So on this episode, I'm giving a shout out to my coworker, travel buddy, fellow binge washers, we tend to watch the same TV shows, and all around fabulous friend, Courtney Gibson. Dr. Gibson just finished her year as president of the Texas Tech University Faculty Senate and did a wonderful job. So I asked her here today to share her experience, offer advice in her teaching area of graphic design. Then we're going to talk about her research area, which is creativity. Madam President, welcome. You just finished your first year as Faculty Senate President. Um, Tell me what that experience was like. Okay. Um, That was a really unique experience and one that I definitely never thought that I would see myself doing. But um, due to some circumstances that um, voluntold a little bit, but maybe (laughs) urged is a better way to say that, um, was urged to step up to be the leader of Faculty Senate after only being on Senate for a year. Um, So I was definitely in over my head, but looking back, really wonderful experience. So glad I got to do it. Learned a lot, grew immensely, but at the time was like, oh my gosh, what did I do to myself? (laughs) Still some days I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But really great experience. I would highly recommend it at some point in your career, maybe not at the point that I did it, but um, I think it was a really great way to learn about the university, learn about the administration, learn about faculty across campus. I mean, there's stuff going on in here that I had no idea what faculty were doing and how different each department in college functions with their faculty had no idea what was going on. You know, we live in our little bubble sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to see that and to see the bigger, broader picture of the campus climate for faculty was was really eye-opening. Cool. Tell me about some of the communication skills that you had to engage in this role. Really glad that I was a communications person mm-hmm. stepping into that role. Um, you know, Obviously, lots of skills were used. I mean, just face-to-face communication. I had to run meetings monthly. So um, just parliamentary procedure, which I had to pull on that wheelhouse. It's been a while since I've done some Parley Pro. But um, just running meetings, conducting meetings, lots of speaking um, had to be done. Email communication was key. I mean, no one could prepare you for the amount of emails that you would get in that role from day one. I mean, starting back last May when I got, well, last April, once I got elected, the emails just start pouring in. And so constantly communicating through email and communicating with lots of different groups through email. I got to edit a lot of emails that were going out on behalf of the Senate that were written by someone else, you know, just engaging in communicating with different stakeholder groups. Um, You know, we're not just communicating to the faculty, we're communicating to staff groups and we're communicating to administration. And so lots of those those skills, um, just crisis management got to play a little bit into this year. We had a really unique year um, with the Texas legislative session, lots going on in the spring that caused some panic, rightfully so, across campus. So some crisis communication skills, but just kind of diffusing and calming people to not react. Um, So lots of communication skills that way. Um, I didn't design anything, which I'm a little disappointed, but that's okay. That's my my wheelhouse. Um, But yeah, lots of just 
verbal communication skills, lots of sitting in meetings, running meetings. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff. You mentioned that in your role, you do not get to design anything. And all of our students that have come through our agricultural communications program in the last, I don't know how many years you've been here. It's 2011. Okay. They have taken a, a design class from you. So so let's talk about your, your teaching expertise in design. Tell, tell us the classes that you teach and describe them. Yeah. So my focus area and my passion area really is in visual communications and graphic design. So I get to focus on teaching our students how to create effective visual messages for not just the ag industry, but just as a whole. So the classes that I teach are primarily at the undergrad level. So I teach our AgCom 2305 class, which is our digital communications and agriculture course. And that class focuses in kind of dipping their toes into design and we focus primarily in Illustrator and Photoshop. And I always start them in Illustrator because it's a program that 99% of them have never even heard of, much less used. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start from scratch. It's a blank screen and you create everything yourself. And that intimidates them. And so we start there because I want them to build some confidence in themselves um, and puts everybody kind of on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, And then in that same class, we also focus on Photoshop, which a lot of our students come in with some Photoshop experience from high school yearbook, or they've done some photography work, and they've edited photos in Photoshop. Um, And that, you know, you open up an existing photo usually and and edit from there. Um, So that class is really focused on building the smaller visual pieces that would go into a larger communication piece. Um, They do create an infographic as their final project, so we do a full top to bottom communications element, but it's a lot of just building smaller pieces um, for communication. Then I also teach AgCom 3305, which is the print layout class. It's like layout in agricultural communications or something. (laughs) I can't remember the formal title. Um, But that class we focus on InDesign. And so bringing in the skills that they learn in Photoshop and Illustrator, building those individual pieces, bringing that together with a larger text piece um, into a print document that has visual elements, print, el- or uh, not text. print, text, yeah, yeah. text elements, um, but making that flow together in a way that makes sense and is effective to get people to read and consume the whole message effectively. Um, and so we spend all semester in InDesign. It's probably my favorite Adobe product, and so that one's really cool. fun for me. Um, and then with our AdCom block, <clears throat> excuse me, with our AdCom block, I teach um, AdCom 4312, which is Advanced Design Principles for Ag Media. And in that class, we really dive deeper into developing their skills in Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign. We do some designing outside of Adobe products. So I know that these kids are going to go into careers that they may or may not have an Adobe Creative Cloud license. And so I want to expose them to some other avenues where they can create really great visual messages outside of those subscription-based platforms. Um, And we just talk a lot more about what visual messaging means, um, effective visuals, just dive a whole lot deeper. We design the layouts for the magazine, and that's where they really get to kind of hone and craft their skill a little bit more. They're not learning the programs for the first time. They're growing and gaining, refining skills in that class. Good. So with that you're, you know, the, the three programs that you teach, what are some 
either some hacks that you have in your back pocket or maybe address some common mistakes people make or if you want to unpack that question and uh, go one at a time either way but just what are some good tips in using those those three adobe products that, that you have kind of in your back pocket yeah um so i think first and foremost in any of the programs i would say don't be afraid of it our students are so afraid that they're going to break something mm-hmm. that they won't click around and tinker And I tell them day one, you literally cannot break this program. You may freeze it, (laughs) but you're not going to break it. Like, we can always undo what you did. Um, And worst case scenario, you have to scrap your project. If you didn't save, save early, save often. Um, But if, you know, you didn't save something, you might have to scrap it and start over. But you're not going to break it. And if you click on a tool or if you click on an action, it's not like you can't undo that action. Um, So just having some confidence in just getting in there and tinkering around. The only way that you can learn that is to spend some time playing in it and messing around. So I always encourage them, like, don't be afraid of it. It's not going to bite you. It's not going to eat you. (laughs) Just a software program. Um, And the more that you play in it, the better your skills are going to be. I think, two, I would say know what you're designing for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is this something that you want to be print? Is this something that's going to go on a website? Is this something that's going to go out on social media? Because that's going to affect what kind of files you need to put in there, what kind of um, layout you need for the message, what kind of just visual element you're creating. Um, One of the biggest downfalls, and it's hard until you get your brain wrapped around it, so I don't really want to say it's a downfall, but maybe roadblocks that students face is, understanding and really wrapping their head around different types of files and why we would use a JPEG here but not here. Um, I, I tell them JPEGs are junk for print, um, and that is changing a little bit. I mean, we're, we're seeing better and better technology come out that JPEGs aren't quite as bad as they used to be. Um, but we wouldn't want to see them using JPEGs for a high-end print job like a magazine or a billboard. Mm-hmm. We would want to see them using TIFFs or Photoshop files or something that's a bit more large, something that has higher resolution, something that has more properties saved in the file. JPEGs compress down Mm -hmm. when you save them, and every time you save them, they compress more and more and more. And so knowing where you're going to put that file is really important Um, because when you save a project, you want to save it in that native file format. So if you're working in Photoshop, you want to save it as a PSD as long as you can. Mm Because if you save it as a JPEG and then keep working and keep saving over, you're just compressing that guy. I told him it's like a trash compactor. You're just pushing the trash closer and closer together, and you're just messing your file up. So really knowing from the outset, like, okay, this is where this project's going to go at the end can save them a lot of headaches. Um, And even if you're just playing around, let's say you're an illustrator designing, I don't know, a cow logo or something, knowing if you don't know where that's going to go at the end, that's okay. Um... But at some point, maybe having a vision for where that's going to go can help you refine that to be more effective. Maybe you need to simplify it if it's going to be on social media, or maybe it can be a little more complex if it's going to go in a print piece. So that's another tip that I would give them. Um, And then third, I would think just, and this kind of goes with tip number one, practice. Like, it's one of those skills that's not intuitive. Mm -hmm. It's not something you're born knowing how to do. (laughs) And the students come in and they're like, oh, I'm just so frustrated. I'm not good at this. And I'm like, well... No, no one's good at this day one. I wasn't good at this day one. Like, I look back at the first stuff that I designed, and I was so proud of it, and I am so embarrassed <laughs> that it still is exists in this world. Like, it's bad. It is bad. 
Um, and I tell them the same thing. Like someday you're going to look back at your first designs and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I was so proud of that. And I got an A on that and I did not deserve that. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm not grading you on, oh my gosh, are you going to be an award-winning artist with this particular piece? I'm looking at, are you putting in effort? Are you making progress in your skills? Mm-hmm. No one is good at this day one. It is, like I said, it's not an intuitive, you're born with a skill. It's a skill that you develop because you put in the work, you put in the practice, you put in the time and effort to tinker and play and keep growing your skills. And it is very much a bike skill, you know, mm-hmm. it's or, or not a bike skill. It's not one that, you know, you can just go pick it up any day. If you pick up Photoshop, get really good at it, and then set it aside for three years and come back to it, that is not the same program you used three mm-hmm. years ago. So it's not like you can just hop back in. You might be able to tinker around and find your way around, but these programs grow. They change every single year. There's new updates. They are constantly evolving, and I use Photoshop as the example because that's the one that they update, it seems, the most. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really working to streamline processes in Photoshop, Um, and make it a lot more user-friendly, a lot faster processes to do things. But these kids have no idea how good they have it. (laughs) From when we learned Photoshop, I'm not even kidding. Um, I was trying to think the other day what version of Photoshop I learned on, and it was probably like Photoshop CS 4 or 5. And now we're in Creative Cloud where they don't even keep track of that. Right. Like number, it's just a year number. Um, but selecting, there's a magic button called select subject and it will just select it for them and they it's don't so have to nice. use the tool that goes around. Clicker. Like, yeah. They don't have to lasso to anything. Trace. They don't yeah. have to trace anything. Um, and I, I get the, okay, old lady, quit, get off your soapbox. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all don't know how easy you have it. Like I teach them the old way to make them appreciate the new way. But, um, you know, these, these programs just grow and evolve. And if you don't stay current and active, you're going to lose that ability to really be effective in the program. So just keeping yourself sharp on the skills is highly important in all three programs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of the things that you are talking about um, lead to the the realm of creativity. And that's that's one of your research areas. Um, so, you know, but we, we hear so many times, I'm just not creative. Um, and I think a lot of people create uh, equate creativity to like I, I'm not artistic. I can't draw, but creativity comes in many forms. So tell us about some of the stuff that you've researched and and how you would debunk that that saying there. Yeah, you're exactly right. These a lot of people, and it's not just our students, but a lot of people equate creativity to having this great artistic ability, and creativity comes out in everybody very differently. And they think that if it's not something that's pretty that it's not creative, and that's so not true. Um, you know, what we found in our creativity research is that everybody is in, in innately creative in some way. We just have to find how that creativity manifests for that person. Um, some people are really creative writers, but maybe not visually. Mm-hmm. Some people are really creative artists, pen and paper. Some people are really creative digitally. I can't draw to save my life. Like stick figures are a challenge for me even. Mm -hmm. But I can get in an Adobe program and I can create some digital art and be much more effective than if I tried to draw it out or paint it by hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just giving them the confidence to explore where their creativity lies. um, And a lot of that is they're, they're a little bit afraid to take the risk to be creative. 
Um, and so I work really hard to make sure that my classroom is a very safe environment. We don't laugh at each other unless we're laughing with you. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we'll, I'll laugh yeah, with you yeah. all day long. If you're giggling at your design, I'll <laughs> giggle with you. Um, but, you know, we want it to be a safe space because we want it to be a place that you can explore and you can try things and you can, you know, shoot for the moon. If you fall short, not a big deal. There's a safety net there and it's okay. Um, and just creativity is it's hard because they want to come up with this brand new idea and we're in 2023 there are no brand new ideas it feels like but it's it's finding a way to make an idea your own and make it unique enough um, that you can tweak it to find your creative spin on it and sometimes they really struggle with that Um, so just looking for inspiration like sometimes my most creative sparks come from I'm just flipping through Instagram I follow a lot of designers, so just flipping through Instagram videos or reels um, and seeing what other people are designing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I could do something kind of similar, but with this cool spin on it, and I'm going to make it totally unique in my own. Um, so just seeing other people be creative, we've got to we've got to do that. And I, I firmly believe from the readings and the research that we've done that creativity is kind of like a muscle. You've got to flex it. You've got to you've got to strengthen it. You've got to work it out. And if you don't push yourself to think in that creative space, you're not going to think creatively on a day-to-day basis. So there's lots of creativity exercises. There's all kinds of like different journals people can do. Um, There's some really great books that talk you through like building creative habits. Um, But a lot of it's just like listening to music Mm -hmm. helps build creativity. So when we have work days in class, I always play music. Um, And it's not a particular type of music, just I usually let the students pick or I pick if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Just having something that is creative in itself in the music helps them free flow ideas a little bit better. But if we're not flexing that creative muscle or working it out, it's like lifting a weight. You've got to strengthen that creative thought process um, to really build on that. And like I said, the most important thing is just building their confidence to try things. Yeah. They're so afraid that they're not going to do well that they aren't pushing themselves to do new things. They're staying in this very safe little box, and I want them to jump out of the box, jump off the cliff, try it. There's a net there. I'm going to catch them. I mean, it is really, really hard to fail my class. Yes. Really hard to fail my class. Mine too. (laughs) All I want them to do is is try something different. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, it's incredible what they come up with incredible and it's so exciting to see what they can make and what they are even if it doesn't work I'm like I'm so proud of you for trying that okay let's step back and talk about why it didn't work but it's so cool that you even attempted to do that and what did you learn and what did you learn from that and they get so frustrated and I'm like it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter here's your net I caught you I'm gonna bounce you back up and let's try it again and they always do and they come back bigger and better so yeah, we just have to, to really push them to have that confidence to to try to be creative and think outside of that little box that they're comfortable in. Yeah. And it's interesting that creativity, again, comes in many different forms because you and I have had many conversations where I'll have a student that does not do well with video production, but then they come to your class and they do amazingly creativity things and vice versa. We'll have some that just are not good graphic designers, but they're wonderful video editors. So, you know, just because you're not creative in one software platform doesn't mean you're not creative. I mean, you could even be a creative cook or a creative gardener or, you know, something like that. Like it it doesn't just have to come in the communication arts. Yeah, I mean, it can be in anything in your daily life. I mean, the kids that come in with the 
the pack of colored pens and they're color coding their journals. And I'm like, that's a kid after my own heart. (laughs) But that's a creative skill in and of itself to do the creative like planner Uh and just the color coding and all that stuff. Like that's a creative skill. Cooking. Oh my gosh, those people are so incredibly creative. Who would have thought to put this ingredient and this ingredient together and make this masterpiece? And it just works. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it's not the same for everybody. And when they walk in the classroom, almost the first day, not quite the first day, sometimes I can say that kid's going to be really creative. Uh-huh. And it's just almost like they're not afraid when they sit down in front of the platform. Like yeah. day yeah, one, we open up yeah. Illustrator and they just seem like, I can do this. Uh-huh. Versus the ones that are timidly looking at it like it's going to jump out and eat them. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes those kids surprise you too. And I love when those moments come. Yes. Uh, when those kids really surprise you and they're like, oh, I watched tutorials all weekend because I was bored in my dorm and I'm like oh I love you that's what I do at home too when I get stressed I download fonts and watch creativity videos it's fun <laughs> it's what we do so okay I have a, a I call this the lightning round where I ask you five questions uh kind of off the cuff um but just a, a quick short answer so first question what's the best book you've read lately for work or for pleasure um either um okay so the best book i've read recently that comes to mind it's called the circus train um it's about a world war ii story a girl that grows up on one of those old school trains that would travel around in the circus but she's in europe and they um, end up picking she's in a wheelchair she's she's paralyzed she had polio um but they end up picking up a a stray basically Uh from the side of the train track and it's a little jewish boy and they end up hiding him from the Nazis that keep coming on the train to find Jews. It's really a powerful awesome. story. It's so good. Okay, so okay. Good. I will add that to my reading list. Uh, what's the best thing that you're streaming lately? Oh, streaming. Um, I'm a hardcore binger, so I watch a lot of things. I just finished the last season of The Great, or oh, the yeah. latest season. I yeah, shouldn't yeah. say the last season of The Great. Um, but the last thing that I really was obsessed with that I streamed was Queen Charlotte. Oh, that was good. So good. So good. And if you've watched Bridgerton, it's such a great tie-in. And, oh, my gosh, I just want somebody to love me like they love each <laughs> So sweet. I cried hardcore through that whole series. I know. I know. It's so good. It's so visually appealing, yes. too. It's so pretty. So The costuming, the way it's shot, the colors. Yeah, it is. And as a you know, visual person, like, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite food? Oh, I love lots of things. I'm going to say this because it's going to annoy you, but I really love olives. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say for you anything pickledy, like I do olives, like, pickles. Yeah, pickled okra. Yeah. I do like I like sour things. So I like really like sour beer. I like sour like pickles, sour candy. Yeah, I like sour things. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, what do you wish you were good at? I really wish that I was good at being artistic outside of a digital program. Like, I wish I could paint or draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had that, like, natural ability without being assisted by a program. Right. Um, sometimes I feel a little inadequate because I can't just pick up a pen and draw. And I'm trying to, like, plan out these things and help these kids visualize things. And my drawing is, like, the most scribbled nonsense mess. And they see my vision sometimes, but sometimes they're like, I don't know what that little, like, stick is. I'm like, that's a person. <laughs> so if I could draw, I think that would be really helpful. Cool. And what is something that um, people don't know about you? 
I can be pretty introverted, so I can be pretty quiet. So, I mean, that's that's something I think people know about me. Maybe not my students. I can be pretty loud with them. Um, but the, the silence isn't always I'm not interested or I'm not paying attention. It's I'm processing, and I have a lot to say, but I'm going to let it, like, process and ruminate before I step in. Maybe that. that that's a good uh, emotional intelligence factor where you – listen and process before you speak so yeah yeah that's a good thing yeah well and my, my students will tell you and I think all of our our colleagues will say that they know if they need to cry they're going to come to me because <laughs> I will cry with them and we will pull out the tissues and we will cry and then we will suck it up and we'll figure out how to move forward yeah so yeah. this was fun yeah. thank you so much thanks for having me yeah And one more shout out to the big hearted, ultra creative Dr. Courtney Gibson, Associate Professor of Agricultural Communications and all around awesome person. So You Talk to Cows is produced by me, Erica Erlbeck, with production support from the Department of Agricultural Education and Communications at Texas Tech University. If you like the show, please click that follow button, share it with your friends and check back next week for another episode.